holiday week. Yeah. Kind of sticking a holiday in the middle of the week is not um, not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Kind of ruins the week and the holiday. Also, also stop with the fireworks, please. It's enough. I mean, we've been going since Sunday night. Uh, Welcome to Debatable. I'm Izzy Gutierrez. That's Davis Dennis Jr. Uh, We are here to discuss the NBA in July because the NBA saves sports conversations in July. And thank goodness. Actually, I don't know if it's thank goodness that this Damian Lillard thing has been dragging on for a little bit because it's kind of annoyed me. But let's start right there with Brian. Tell us uh, tell us what we're talking about here. Yeah, starting with Dame and your Miami Heat. Should the Blazers and teams around the league abide by Dame's demand to be traded to the Heat? So All right, Dave, I'm going to let you go here first. Wait, is this do new Alabaster? Do are we? Are we, right. we what's going on <laughs> here? Has Alabaster yeah. been replaced? Alabaster um, is allowed apparently to take time off, especially uh, in July, and so uh, we got the whitest replacement possible. Great. White, what's up, White <laughs> Alabaster? Thanks for thanks for joining us. So uh, I'm curious where you stand on this Damian Lillard thing because I feel like being down here in Miami, and, and this is kind of driven me a little bit nuts over the years like the way media has become like territorial and everybody thinks that if you work in an area you like defend that area Mm -hmm. and so my opinion on anything Miami as everybody on this show knows is always skewed a little bit at least in other people's minds um so I want you to go here first and let me know what you think where Dame is going to go how it's been like reported um and whether you think there are actual options outside of Miami Dame Lillard's going to Miami. Like, how often, how often do players of his star caliber end up at teams where they don't want to go? Right? right. This all like no matter how long the contract is, no matter what Adam Silver does, no matter how many aprons and all that stuff, if a player says they want to go somewhere, they end up going to that place. And I know ESPN uh, people have been excoriating ESPN for even suggesting that he may go to other places. Could he go to San Antonio? Or can he go to um, Philly or Boston? Philly. All these places have been have been thrown out. This feels like a Miami thing. He he wants to go there. Miami um, seems to be you know they're both playing a little hardball from both sides. I mean you know as well as anybody else. I think I have you know laid out the idea that the, that you're not being a homer if you agree with me and say that he's going to Miami. I think he's going to Miami. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, when it comes to this type of stuff, it's not like for me, whenever any free agent or any uh, big name player demands trades, I'm like, oh, Miami, Miami, Miami. This one just seems pretty obvious, right? And I don't even blame what people are blaming ESPN for. Like, I don't even blame ESPN for doing what we've done for decades. You do the song and dance. You do what is, you present what is presented to you, right? And so... If, you know, they're just doing this on a bit of a delay, meaning Portland and Miami have already sort of worked out a lot of things and are just releasing information as it goes. Mm. Okay, that's kind of the way these things have happened. It's happened this way for the entirety of my career. It just so happens that now we get a little bit more impatient and now there's more eyes on the reporting. And so we're sort of nitpicking and sort of being able to tell what's going on while it's happening. And so, yes, Damian Lillard, wants to go to Miami. And the reason it is more sort of certain, or should be more certain for Damian Lillard than other guys in the past, even like an Anthony Davis who wanted to go to LA and LA only, um, and it eventually happened after several months, but he didn't do the Damian Lillard thing or the Mm -hmm. Bradley Beal loyalty thing. He, after seven years, wanted to get out. And so is, you know, basically, um, 
I did you a favor for four years by not asking out earlier, now you just return the favor. And for a small market team, it's not just a small market team, but for a team that knows that free agency is not the way, right? They're not going to mm. get a bunch of free agents. They have to uh, get somebody in the draft, home grow that guy, and then eventually, you know, try to win championships with him. Um, when you when you turn on that guy at the very end and send him someplace he doesn't want to go and make his life miserable and make whatever that franchise you send him to temporarily miserable, it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. And this is where I think people who just think of the NBA in terms of business and don't really understand the long game just kind of laugh at that and say, yeah, that's not really why you wouldn't move somebody over there. But, and I'll get to this in a second after you respond to this, but I also think that you're doing Portland a favor uh -huh. by telling them, hey, take this stuff because you got you to gotta, you gotta sink into the rebuild. That's what you got to do to take these young guys, take these picks, you know, make Damian happy. And then maybe if he wins a couple championships, he'll come back and, you know, uh, be in the front office for the Portland Trailblazers down the road. I don't know if I buy that whole thing about the Portland uh, need to do this for Dame thing. Cause like Portland is never going to get a free agent, no matter how they treat Dame Lillard, you know, like there, right. this is going, it's like, you might as well try to maximize what you can. Free agents are looking at this. I, you know, that report came out that feels like a Dame sort of like, you know, like we're like trying to make sure that Dame goes where he wants. It doesn't yeah. feel like players are looking at this and thinking maybe Portland is a destination for me. Like Portland is not going to ever be a destination no matter no, how. No, but if you but, if you get drafted into Portland, if you're Scoot right now watching uh, this and being like, man, seven years from now, if I'm not in the NBA Finals two or three times, I'm going to get out because – being loyal to them isn't going to get me anything. Scoot's thinking that anyway, I think. You know what I mean? Like, look, Beyonce ain't looking at how I'm treating my girlfriend. Like, Beyonce, like I ain't get Beyonce no way. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's not going to happen. You know, so I just think that all these players are like Dame's loyalty to Portland in this era of basketball seems, you know, like a, a one-time thing. You know, like a very singular thing. We don't see that in the league anymore just for this specific reason. Like, right. Scoot is not going to stay with Portland based on how they tr treat Dame Lillard. Scoot's going to stay with Portland if they build a team that puts him in, in somewhere near a championship. I don't think that – I don't really buy this idea that players are honed in on Portland and saying that this is going to determine if they go there or not. Portland being Portland is going to determine yeah. if they go there or not. But it's 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 basically lose-lose if you mm. don't do the Dame thing because then you're saying to everybody, hey, we had – arguably the second greatest shooter of all time and you know an all-star who's been an all-star since the second year he got here and we got him to what one western conference finals and say what you will about hey the western conference was tough steph katie well you weren't the ones getting knocked out every year you got knocked yeah. out by them by once or twice but it's not like you got deep and you were their rival you were just kind of irrelevant and how could you be irrelevant when everybody's salivating over your main star and so I, I think it's – and, again, it's not the same GM over the years, not the same mm. coaches, et cetera. But, you know, other teams have done it. Other, I mean, I think of, like, over the decades, like, the Indiana Pacers were, like, a regular in the conference finals and the finals yeah. in two, like, different eras. Whether you got, go back to, like, the Mark Jackson, Rick Smith's, like, Reggie Miller era, and then this last one with Paul George. Like, Portland wasn't even that. And so I, I think, you know, you just – Again, not only are you doing good favor or like your name is just like better without throughout mm. the league, but let's talk about what exactly they would be getting back in these situations. Because again, mm. 
you got to lean into the rebuild if you're Portland. You yeah. already messed up by signing Jeremy Grant to five years, whatever, 100-something million. 160, as if he was think, even Right. As if he was even like Chris Bosh. You remember when LeBron <laughs> left when LeBron <laughs> yeah, left Miami and the Heat's like, oh, I got to keep Dwayne. I got to keep Chris Bosh because Chris Bosh mm -hmm. is a franchise player. Jeremy Grant's not that player. No. So they hung on to him in the hopes that that would be the reason why Dame would stay, and that was not great thinking. And yeah. then you're looking around and saying, okay, if, if you're listening to, to the fans, to the other media, oh, yeah, Jalen Brown is a better player, and you can draft or put together a package around Jalen Brown. Okay, is Jalen Brown Damian Lillard? No, is Jalen no. Brown somebody you're going to build around as your number one? No, right? So go ahead and get Tyler Hero. Get all these picks. Get yourself Nikola Jovic, who has been, you know, it's only a couple of games, but has been looking great in mm -hmm. summer league. And then just ha do the Oklahoma City thing. Have a bunch of options, a Shaden Sharp, uh, uh, a Simons, a Tyler Hero. You're going to trade one or two of those guys, right? Eventually, maybe you'll trade Jeremy Grant if he has a huge season as a leader of this group and get a bunch in return. And then five, six years from now, you're in a great position. You you're in the Oklahoma City position where you've got a Chet and an SGA and all you need is a couple pieces and you might be right there. And I just think even though Dame gave him extra years to come up with mm -hmm. a plan, they kind of didn't have one. And now they're just kind of in the middle and, and sinking. I think that that's that's really if you're going to pinpoint Portland in the original sin of how we got here is that they never had a backup plan for when this team got swept by the New Orleans Pelicans in that first round and they were trying to rebuild and then eventually they get rid of C.J. McCollum for what? Like there was no actual plan with what they were going to do to maximize this team. And you just have a star who's hanging around for a few more years too long. And now you're stuck because he's probably, you know, this $60 million contract, like $60 million year four that he's got to deal with, like that's hovering over all this. You're not going to get a whole bunch. Tyler Hero, I think, is the, the big thing here. And that's the, the problem with Portland is they don't know what they want to do with Tyler Hero. I feel like yeah. that's the issue. Yeah. Like, do and it's you an image to... thing, too. Yeah. Like, if, if you never get superstars for superstars when you're trading mm -hmm. them, right? So you always try to find a young, rising player. What in the heck in Tyler's resume doesn't say he's a young, rising player? He's 23 years old. He's won six man of the year. He was a starter, uh, an average 20 and five and five. And he was in the NBA Finals as a rookie, giving you like 30, you know? So... The idea that he is not a player that you can consider an important piece in a in a in a deal back for a superstar is silly. It's just PR. It's just like, oh, if he would have played in the play, in the playoffs instead of breaking his hand, maybe the conversation is totally different. Well, and and the thing is, like, they're trying to look for a superstar in the trade, but you already have a potential superstar in the draft. Like your right. season, your season ended with you getting a star, right, or a guy who seems to be at least. You know, or at, at the at the best, you know, some sort of Russell Westbrook, sure. prime Russell Westbrook player that John Morant, maybe John Morant type yeah. of deal that you have. So you have a star walking out and a star walking in. That's what you ask for when you rebuild a team. Just get what you like. All of this posturing, all of this, like I don't buy the idea that that Dame Lillard is going to be miserable and torpedo whatever team he ends up if it's not Miami. This seems like a whole bunch of posturing on both sides. He's going to Miami, man. And they just, the, the Portland situation is they just have to figure out how to do the Tyler Hero thing. Didn't he say a couple Hero of years ago, though, David, that he'd be willing to sit, he'd be willing to do the Le'Veon Bell if he were yeah. sent to a team that he didn't want to go to? And I don't know if that was setting the table. I don't know if it's just bluffing, but I, I wouldn't test it. I mean, that, that sounds like something that you say when you don't actually have to do it.
You know, like that sounds like a thing okay. to, that's easy to say back then. And I, I mean, this guy's due for a whole bunch of money, man. And right. he's also like he, the thing of Dame Lillard is that, you know, he, he's probably not going to win a championship. Right. No, Like, I mean, the Miami thing is his best shot at winning a championship. Yeah. But like this guy, when you're talking about cementing your legacy, when you're talking about being maybe the second best shooter of all time, you're talking about accumulating stats. You're talking about accumulating these legendary moments like Dame Lillard in spite of not making a finals, has a, a playoff resume that's as legendary as anybody else out there who's never yes. made the finals with these buzzer beaters and all that yeah. stuff. That is how you build your legacy. And to sit a year out, you know, as part True. of it, just does not seem like the Dame Lillard thing. True. On the other end, though, in terms of cementing legacies, um, which organization has the most recent history of making that happen? Like, LeBron well, went to Miami and it cemented his position as a winner, okay? Mm-hmm. And then Jimmy Butler, who has no business being in the same conversation as LeBron, gets to two finals in four years with Miami. And so it's almost like he waited for just the right time because, like, yeah. Boston tried to do it with Kyrie, and it wasn't mm-hmm. successful. You know, L.A., of course, it's LeBron. They, did, they needed LeBron. They needed AD, and they did it again in 2020. So, like... May, and throw the Spurs in there if they were championship ready. But there's yeah. like, there's only a few organizations you want to go to to do that, to cement your legacy. And it makes all the sense in the world that Dame, like we said, he's got the resume of somebody who should have at least played in a finals by now. And yeah. so he's got to make sure he's making the right choice. Yeah. And there's no other team in the league that's going to get him as close to anything like the Heat are going to do. You know, like, the, I mean, I guess Boston. But he just don't want to go to Boston, you know, and Boston seems like they've got some, you know, we're going to talk about them in a little bit and, and, mm-hmm. and the, the way that they're retooling. They got a lot of work to do. The Miami Heat thing is just it, it's his best shot. It's his best shot. And yeah. it's going to happen. I mean, I I don't I, I, I don't trust other teams coming in and swooping in on big free agents when Miami's like when you mentioned it's like Candyman. You mentioned Miami <laughs> in a trade talk. Five times they're getting the player, and they've been mentioned for like a week, a week straight. Yeah. They're getting the player. You know what I trust? I trust uh, players, agents, mm-hmm. accidentally tweeting stuff out like <laughs> Max Struess. Right? He signed uh-huh. with the Cleveland Cavaliers, didn't he? Well, his right. agency just put out a tweet today that said he's going to the Cleveland Cavaliers on a sign and trade. Miami <laughs> hasn't said anything about a sign and trade. Why is and so it just seems like it's part of the mechanics of the Damian Lillard trade, however, it is to make it work. That's a sign and trade. It could be Gabe Vincent was a sign and trade. All those things that are agreed upon during this moratorium are not actually set in stone. So, yeah, those players are going to those places, but how they're getting there, still TBD. And so, if that team or that uh, agency team is confident enough to put that tweet out, knowing that that Dame deal isn't done. <laughs> I think things are more done than the reporting is suggesting. Yeah, it seems like it. I, I, I haven't. I, we're in that stage where I don't believe much of it, anything anybody says that that leads anywhere but but Damon and Miami. And hey, they're going to be the best. Maybe the, they're going to be the best big three in the Eastern Conference. Maybe you know. Yeah, I mean it's good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to think what that team can do with Damian Lillard as an offensive outlet because that's what they were missing last year and they got to the finals and so. We will see. All right, Super White. Uh, what do we got here? Oh, wow. Was that a transition <laughs> to the Boston Celtics? That's not not intentional. All right, White White. Super White. <laughs> white Alabaster. <laughs> wow. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, we're going to move on to Grant Williams and the sign and trade with the Mavericks. Which team will be more impacted by Grant Williams leaving the Celtics for the Mavericks? Oof. I, it's interesting from the Boston side because to me, Grant Williams, man, that was a guy who I thought got lost in the shuffle mm. in the move to Joe Missoula. And he was very much exactly what that team needs, not just in terms yeah. of the play, but in terms of the the attitude and the the, the you know, just the the way he plays, the fire that he plays with. And I think losing him even last year when things weren't going well um, was a problem for them because what was the answer? Hey, insert him back into the rotation. Uh, yeah. But I think for Boston, when they have Chris Stapps Porzingis now, it's going to be so much more critical that the guys around him are strong defensively. And this isn't to say like Chris Stapps is, is terrible defensively, like he can protect the rim, but out on the perimeter, you're going to drive right past him. You know, even if he's 15 feet out from the rim, you're going to drive past him. And that's something that Grant Williams, you could switch with him a lot and, and be uh, super helpful there. But I, and so I wonder if the Celtics are going to lose, especially Marcus Smart leaving, they're going to lose a lot yeah. on the defensive end. So I actually think it's going to hurt them a lot, but I think he's exactly what the Mavericks need like a bunch of guys like him around Kyrie and Luca. Yeah, I, I agree with I agree with everything you said. I, the, the thing about the Celtics is now their physicality is three guys who are not really all, ever healthy at the yeah, same time. Right? Exactly. Uh, time Lord, Horford, um, and Porzingis are basically your back line. You know, they're the guys that are that are going to protect the rim and how durable are those guys are going to be by the by the how much know, more by, you can expect from Horford? Yeah, I was about to say by the yeah. time by the time the playoffs are over, Horford looked like a fifty-two year old man <laughs> out there trying to play, and so your physicality um, is gone with Grant Williams like that. Like you're just relying on these three guys, and the problem is overall is that the Celtics, you know, a game away from the finals again from the second straight finals, have let go some of those core players and taken some big swings and gotten a lot of draft picks, which um you know is kind of interesting for a team that is right there i mean i know that the yeah. grant that when you when you get porzingis and you have the grant williams contract it puts you over the second apron so apron so that kind of meant that he had to go but at the same time when you look at what they've lost and you look at what they've gained it looks like a team that's closer to a rebuild than yeah. a team that's building towards a championship which is very odd when you, I'm going to read them out because when you look at it, it's just like, wow, this is crazy. This was like, you know, uh, the number two seed and we're the number one for a while during the season. But out, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Danilo Gallinari, who never got a chance there, Michael yeah. Scala. In, Kristaps Porzingis, great. Jordan Walsh, uh, first round draft pick from Golden State, second round draft pick, second round draft pick, second round swap, second round draft pick, second round draft pick, and then two additional seconds via the Grant trade. Like that looks like a team that says, Hey, we tried, let's try something different now yeah. and don't have the same expectations. And if I'm Jason Tatum, cause you know, who's Jalen Brown, maybe in a right. trade, like I am concerned. I'm concerned yeah. because. I feel like we didn't max out. Like they mm -hmm. shouldn't have lost last year. They were that yeah. close to to being the first team to come back from 3-0. And like I understand run it back is kind of like, but it wasn't running it back. Like they they lost Marcus Smart. If you're doing that, that's that's one move. But mm -hmm. yeah, to change that much and to to pick up that many draft picks, unless you're gonna turn around and just hand them right back. Uh, as part of a Jalen Brown package and get a stud in return. And maybe that's where, you know, the world is saying, hey, that's where you should send, or that's where the package you should send for Damian Lillard. Um, but if Dame doesn't want to play there, what are you going to do? Uh, right. But yeah, I think it looks it looks worse for the Celtics. We're not done, right? They still have a lot of uh, 
offseason left, but I think it looks worse for them. But in terms of the, of the Mavericks, like I was saying during the conference finals that uh, Grant Williams is a Miami Heat type of player. Uh, <laughs> but once he would, became a little bit too expensive for them, I was like, oh, well, he should go somewhere else. And that is a, that's the type of guy you need around Kyrie and Luka because he will be the defensive guy. He will hype you up, and he won't be obnoxious about it. He'll just yeah. be pure about it, and and I, there's no other thing to do but to follow him because he's doing it. And again, he's not ticking you off in the way he's doing it. He's not, you know, Draymond Green uh, with it. He's a little bit more subtle with it, and a little bit yeah. more he pure just, with that. He just whispers, "I'm making both of these free throws." When he says, it. Right. "He doesn't, you know, yeah. he doesn't yell it out." He doesn't be made one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he just whispers it. He doesn't yell it out. But, yeah, I think if you're Dallas, um, a bunch of culture guys, a bunch of defensive guys, a bunch of role player guys, even though you gave up Dorian Finney-Smith, who was absolutely perfect in that spot, um, Grant Williams is, is a nice replacement. Yeah, he is. And, and you know, Dallas has sort of made uh, had a good offseason. Off Curry, Williams, Exum, the, the, um, these picks seem promising. Grant Williams, what he can there, there you go. That's helpful. Added Grant Williams, resigned, resigned Kyrie Irving, acquired Seth Curry, uh, Rashawn Holmes, drafted Lively and Prosper, which, you know, you can't go wrong with those two names. Uh, ah. You know, the thing about Grant Williams is that he, that corner three, there's sort of like a LeBron effect with Luka, right? Is that yes. he is going to find these players and whatever, however good you are somewhere else. Because uh, Grant Williams is coming from a team that didn't have a point guard, <laughs> you know, and he's been shooting these threes. 43%, I mean, 40% pretty much last three seasons. I think he was shooting 44% from the corner. He's which basically is going to be a home. little bit more versatile P.J. Tucker if yeah. you really want to get down to it. And, I, again, a, a great piece for that team. And, like you mentioned, Dallas has made the most of this offseason because priority number one was to make sure they didn't lose out on Kyrie. Right. Uh, but the key, now that you have some pieces that make sense and two you know, all-star starter or all-NBA caliber – players on your starting lineup to me it becomes all right how bad does Luca want this and how yeah. soon and does it have to be all about him or can he let Kyrie shine to me it feels like he needs to take on a little bit of that Nikola Jokic mentality of I'll just do whatever it takes mm -hmm. I'm unstoppable mm -hmm. I can do that for 40 minutes a game but I'll just do it when needed because this more you know mercurial guard uh, is on my team and can also do these things, but he's maybe got more to prove. And if you allow Kyrie to do more, then there's no pressure on you, Luca, because then, hey, it's the, it's the organization. Hey, that was my sidekick. That's the way he wants to do it. That's the guy that got me. Cool. If it doesn't work, not on me. Uh, I don't have to be MVP this year. Uh, so I think it, it works out, but I think it needs to be Luca's mentality if that's going to really work out. Yeah, man. As good as these moves have been, the Luca and the Kyrie thing feels like it just it just doesn't. I, I, we didn't see it. I didn't see it for well, I guess twenty games, twenty five games. They did not look good together, and that was Kyrie who was playing for a contract, right? Yeah. Like that's probably the best Kyrie that you're gonna get is Kyrie when nobody believes in him and he's playing for a contract. Unless we're talking about Kyrie. Uh, who's in the NBA Finals for three straight games after Draymond Green punched somebody in the, in the scrotes. Like, those are the Kyrie two best Kyrie. I think Kyrie was still on the pride thing toward the end of the year. Like, I would rather not let you, not believe that I allowed you to impact the way I feel, the way I mm. think, and the way I react, more so than, than making my money. Because he probably already knew, based on that trade, 
that he had Dallas as a back pocket guaranteed. I'm going to get three, four years out of them. And so he's just like, eh, whatever. I don't need to, you know, give in to what the public wants. And and now that that time has passed some and we have maybe less attention on Kyrie, hopefully he doesn't, you know, post any crazy movies <laughs> for now, his live for now, <laughs> uh, then we might get a really good version of Kai. And, and I, think, I think the NBA world would like that. Yeah, I think um, the groundhog, we saw a shadow. We're, we're getting six more weeks of, of good Kyrie before this thing goes haywire. I, I, th- that's the thing. As good as these moves have been, it's all going to be Luke and Kyrie. And mm-hmm. I'm concerned about how they fit. I'm concerned about the defense. I'm concerned about them figuring this out besides just a bunch of iso ball. Because really, the ball, this game works better. I mean, this game works better with the ball in Luka's hands, right? Yeah. yeah. Facilitating. But Kyrie does not play that way, right? And so – there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, you take it, you take it. Now, if Kyrie can sort of, if they can sort of recreate this Cavs, this LeBron Kyrie situation that they had, 16, yeah. 17, then that's where the magic is. But I'm sort of dubious because Luca's game is just slightly a scotch different enough from LeBron's to where this feels like it's an awkward fit. Yeah, I think it's, it's egos. It all comes down to egos and sacrifice. And if you mm-hmm. look at any team that had multiple, like, super-duper stars – uh, if they've won, they go back and they talk about sacrifice. And so mm-hmm. we'll see if those guys are willing. Uh, Brian, I believe this is a comfortable place for you. Could you take us to a white party? <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> Our next question is, how long could you see the Sixers writing things out with James Harden? And I mentioned a white party, David, because he was <laughs> – photographed with pretty much every other celebrity at uh-huh. uh, Michael Rubin's white party in the Hamptons. And mm-hmm. while I don't necessarily consider if James Harden is partying somewhere an indication of anything other mm-hmm. than James wanting to party, uh, I do think that it maybe makes you wonder if he's going to stick with uh, the 76ers because I, the one thing that's been most obvious, uh, probably the second most obvious of this offseason, first being James going to Miami, mm-hmm. and the second is... <laughs> James Harden didn't have options. That's why he opted in to his $35.6 million deal. It was, you know, in those situations, the players go not for the bigger numbers, but for the longer term security. And Mm. he was afraid and his agents were afraid. I don't think you're going to get that. And so, so in the future, it feels like, well, James is like a 10 to $15 million a year type player. Mm. And if some team's not going to commit three years of that to him, then I'm going to stay here and see what happens. And so, now you're talking about assessing his value via trade, not in the free agent market and not via dollars. And that, I think, is even more difficult because there's yeah. only one or two teams, maybe, that feel like it's a fit, that he's a fit at this point. And I think really the one obvious team is the Clippers. Yeah. I, I feel like the Heat is a second team if somehow the Dame thing blows mm-hmm. up. But even then, I don't think that's a great fit. Jimmy Butler might punch James Harden in the middle of the game if they're on the same team. Like this feels like <laughs> this that feels like a really really bad fit. Like I don't I can't think of anybody who's more antithesis of Heat culture, quote unquote, than uh, James Harden. Except unless you talk about the amount of white parties that they have in my. Speaking of, I have I'm, this is I'm, this is a, a good time to ask you this question. I should have asked you during the Dame question. Dame Lillard, IG Live, Will Smith's Miami comes on. How? How often is this song being played in Miami, and how often do you hear it outside of the city of Miami? 
How often have you ever heard anybody in this century just jamming out to Will Smith? Granted, yeah. if summertime comes on in the summer, I am always jamming out to summertime. Don't get me wrong. It's a great song. But nobody's listening to Will Smith. And it's a good point. Like, circle back to that, that Dame thing. It was never more obvious that Dame and his camp were playing along with Portland, doing everything possible to just make it look right for them, make it look good for them, than when he essentially apologized for the live and for playing Will Smith in the back. Apologize. Get out of here. Oh, Dame would never do to, that. To be, to be <sighs> fair. Yeah. To be fair. If I subjected anybody to Will Smith's Miami, I would apologize too. If I just have, if I was somewhere, I would, I would also apologize to myself for being in a facility where they're playing yeah. Will Smith. It's not match. a song that we like really take pride about. It's not like we claim Will Smith as a Miami and right. He sang one song about, there's so many other Miami references. Play me Gloria Stefan. If you want to go deep roots, like go, man, we can go deep cuts and give you like Gloria Stefan's not even a deep cut, but if you want to go some deep cuts, you play some other Miami people, not Will Smith playing Miami. It was too obvious, which is why the apology made it seem, or whatever, the explanation made it seem ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I had to take that tangent. I was yeah. dying to know. Uh, James Harden, parties, whatever. Yeah. James Hardy, James Harden, I think um, the Clippers seem to be the only real sort of place right now. And like you said, the issue is, I think what damaged James Harden the most hmm. this offseason, I think, yes, it was the two performances, uh, the game six and game seven against the Celtics. And then so much of this idea of him wanting to go back to Houston, like the way that he was lobbying to go back to, and this idea of this guy does not want to win a championship. <laughs> you know, like this yeah, guy does Houston is not thing about made this. No sense when he's yeah. like, like throwing that out there in the middle of last season. So what, like you, you think you're going to return to MVP mode, James Harden, and yeah. then all of a sudden those young players are going to be the perfect fit around you for a championship? No. So why are you like talking about going back there? It's, it's like you're right. His priorities don't seem like they're in line with other people who want to win championships. Yeah, and all the teams that have the moves and that would make the moves for James Harden would be a championship-level team, right? And if you are feel like you're going to spend money for a guy who doesn't have it in him, who wants to go party with his friends more than he wants to actually win the championship, you're not going to make those moves. And especially if you are a championship ready team, there is at least generally some sort of chemistry involved that you have to think about. And the Clippers are kind of that team where they're trying to figure out, um, you know, if Kawhi and PG are going to actually play at this, you know, play together, they have extensions coming up. There's going to be fighting over those extensions. Westbrook, took a, a huge pay cut, or maybe took a pay cut, who knows what the market was for Westbrook, right. to come back to that team. And so they are trying to win a championship, and there's this question mark about this guy and how much does he actually want to do this because now we know that his first option of going and partying in Houston is not there. So now he's trying to ret retcon right. all of that and say, I actually know what I want to go to a winner when it seems like he just kind of wants to have some more money. I believe in trends, and I believe in karma. And I think the trend of Kawhi Leonard uh, being available deep into the playoffs has not been a good one. I believe the mm -hmm. trend of James Harden not performing consistently in the playoffs has not been a good one. And you put those together, and I would feel like the Los Angeles Clippers would be a team that looks good on paper but won't actually perform. Um, yes, Mr. White. I'm sorry, Brian. I just wanted to chime in and say that I think based off of the contracts that the Rockets gave out this offseason, then maybe the they were the only team that would have actually given Harden a bunch of money. 
And maybe he was looking at that. And it's pretty yeah. damning if you are uh, James Harden to say, oh, wow, the organization that should love me the most wouldn't even give me that deal just so they can hit, you know, the the payroll floor, the salary cap floor. Um, and, well, of course, if you've got a bunch of young kids, why would you uh, sign the guy who's ball dominant? I actually love what, what Houston's doing. Like, I yeah. think a man Thompson's going to be rookie of the year. Um, and I okay. think that Dylan Brooks has been a starter since he got into the league. And, you know, $80 million is about right for a few years mm -hmm. of a starter. And I think Fred Van Vliet is a perfect point guard for a team of young and up-and-coming players because he's not about that nonsense. And he is an all-star caliber point guard. And so I actually like what Houston's doing. Yeah, essentially, Houston picked Fred Van Fleet over James Harden. <laughs> like that's just what it was. Like that, that was that was what they easy went choice. with. It, yeah, very easy choice. And once that happened, James Harden panicked. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the communication was between the two organizations that made James Harden confident enough to feel like he could start leaking out that he wants to go to Houston. Yeah, that he would be going there when all eyes could see, like anybody could see that this was a team that's building towards a future with the future stars and James Harden does not fit that. So I don't know what compelled him to say, hey, I'm going to Houston. It just, I mean, <laughs> maybe the fact that this guy has made a trade demand every year Everywhere. for the past like half century or something like that and gone to the teams that he yeah. wanted to go. So maybe just says like, hey, if I say it, it'll happen. But that's not how it works. And now he's stuck. Speaking of trade demands, like here's an interesting possibility. Let's just say okay. Philly can't find a trade partner for Harden, and I don't think they will. Um, if Harden is clearly going to stay put, does Embiid then ask for a trade last minute, a la Kevin Durant last season? Does he then say, and 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 which is like a more interesting option? Is he thinking to himself, yeah, James has got to go, and we've got to get something good? Or is he thinking to himself, no, we need James uh, I, I would love for him because obviously this past playoff run can't be feeling great about James Harden as your number two. Yeah, you. This is a deal that had. I mean, you think you don't think James Harden's going to the, the Celtic uh, the 76ers have to get rid of James Harden. They have to do this for the Joel Embiid. So let's say you do. I don't know what get a Norm Powell back. Then what does Embiid do? It's like really. This is this is my team. Like this is my number two guy. I, I I think the this whole offseason is setting up for a messy Philadelphia 76ers like tail end of the offseason right before the regular season. Yeah. I mean, you gotta hope that Maxi becomes that guy. Uh, and and there is potential for him kind of being somewhere with without with James Harden is not on the floor, right? There if may you be believe in Maxi, then you should believe in Tyler Hero because he's got more accolades. He's done more well, in his career so far. Well, maybe Embiid believe you know, like maybe that's where he is. Maybe he does believe in, in, in that because you cannot have a situation two out of the last three years, Embiid has had a number two star who has not want to be there, right? A guy who may or may not even play, a guy who's given up on the team. And, you know, this you cannot have a star like this. So I think you gotta move James Harden because you run that risk of Embiid doing just like you said, doing the Kevin Durant saying, Hey, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Right. Because you guys have not Put the coaches around me. Oh, he's been through so players much. Around me. Yeah, he's been through hell trying to get trying to get through this. You know, like even that Raptor series, of course, there was the buzzer beater. I think he was like a plus 90 when he was on the right. on the floor. And, and then as Jimmy Butler lose. said, Tobias Harris over me? Like <laughs> right, right. You lose choices. Jimmy Butler. You get you, you know, stick with the Ben Simmons thing. You know, you do the James Harden thing. Like you, this guy has been through hell and back after, of course, four years of pulling himself back together health-wise. Right. This guy no understands that, you know, time is of the essence for him to win this championship. 
you stick him with another year with a guy who is not going to be putting any uh, not putting his best foot forward for this team and who wants out. It's got to be time for Joel Embiid to say, I got to go. Uh, Brian, this white party is getting kind of lame. Uh, can you take us to Las Vegas? Yes, let's go to Vegas and talk about Sweet. the in-season tournament, which starts next season. We're asking, are you excited about the NBA in-season tournament? Well, Adam Silver, or, or Adrian Wojnarowski reported this, but uh, Adam Silver dropped this on us, like the NBA. Um, the NBA in-season tournament that has been rumored is happening next season. Um, just some details here. Teams will be assigned to six intra-conference pools of five, not necessarily by division. Uh, on designated days during the first six weeks of the regular season, teams will play four group games, one each against the other teams in their pool. The winners of each pool and two wildcard teams will advance to a single elimination tournament. Semifinals and finals of the tournament held at a neutral site, play, a neutral site being Vegas. Players for the tournament champion will receive a half a million dollars each. Um, David, this is, I think, lucrative enough to make it in, make the players, you know, really want what's happened, want, you know, to win it. I think the Vegas element makes for a little bit of an intrigue uh, break, intriguing break of the regular season. And I think it's going to be pretty cool. What do you think? I don't think it's a good sign that my eyes glaze over when I try to read the details about this tournament. Like, I, and even, you know, you did a fantastic read, but I'm just like, I don't, I don't, Man, I don't care. Like, I don't think the players are going to care. I don't think the st I don't think necessarily the stars are going to care as much about this. And I think if we're you know in a in the world of load management and all that stuff, I don't think we're going to get you know guys playing their best in this mid. Here's what I think. Tournament and and, and so I am not a natural business mind. I am uh -huh. more of a I don't know whatever the opposite of that is. And so uh, I've been I've questioned things in the past the play-in tournament, um, I've questioned a lot of things and realized that afterward, even though it's maybe I was right in terms of something like, hey, the play-in isn't really solving tanking, mm -hmm. but whatever it does, it's good for business. And it has mm -hmm. been. The play-in tournament has been good for business. And I think this will be that. I think it will be good for business because regardless of how much the stars are into it now, if they're playing and they're in the semis and it's being built up and you're seeing these commercials and the fans are showing up to Vegas for you and it's a different type of experience in your normal NBA regular season game, I think they're going to be down. I think they're going to buy in and I think they're going to play hard. And then if they get there, they get to the final four. It's like, wait a second, mid-season, two games, two wins for 500K, I'm down. And I think, uh, especially if it creates like these matchups that weren't scheduled, Right. You mm -hmm. might get, you know, some people were crazy, lost their minds. And oh, wow, Steph Curry versus LeBron James in a one yeah. game sort of play in or winner take all, but not really. Uh, that was kind of cool. And so if you get a, I don't know, a Joel Embiid versus Nikola Jokic in a final, mm -hmm. uh, kind of cool, unexpected, you know, with something at stake. And so I, I think it'll it'll be good for business, um, whatever the actual thing that makes it good for business. Uh, we'll see. But I think it will be. Yeah, I, I think, I, yeah, it'll be good for business. It's more games. It's Vegas. People will travel. It'll be cool. I think I'd be, pro I think it'd be kind of boring to watch, to be honest. I think it'll be kind of a, a boring little break in the middle of the season that people sort of casually, you know, watch. and get. I mean, if Joel Embiid is sitting out games during an MVP race at the end of the season with Jokic, like how much is he going to care about a one-on-one -on -one matchup in a, in a play, in a playoff thing that 
tournament. Yo, if thing you've that really got a matter. rookie in your rotation or a minimum player in your rotation, and you're about to win that dude a quarter of his salary in one game or two games, I think you find the motivation. I think again, if I think the was, rookies will be that rookie is going to be motivated. Well, yeah, and I don't his know teammates how will be for him. Like in, in in a long regular season game, when you're talking about one or two games, you're just looking for any motivation to to win that one game. Like if you have a guy coming back to a team that he played for, like, hey, let's rally around this dude and let's make this regular season game more important than the others. And I think this is going to be that type of case. And especially when you consider that the stats are going to count in the in the semifinals and the finals. So you can't just sit and be like, oh, it's just a regular game. Like it, the regular the, the, the wins and losses count and the stats count. And so I think, yeah, I think it's going to work out. I think any sort, it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be like we have to figure out with Premier League or any stuff in soccer. It's like, wait, is this the FA Cup? Is this uh, UEFA Champions League? Is this regular season? No, it's going to be pretty obvious. And I think eventually we might even uh, graduate to more of these. But uh, I like it. I like it. I'm not going to fight the business idea this time. I think if you, if you, with the stats count and then you make the scoring title and all that stuff, a cumulative, like a, a, a total total points mm. versus an average point, then we can put we can add some stakes to it. Right? You know what? I do so, think that's something to push when you talk about like just pressure voters next year and say, "Hey, don't just mm. look at averages, look at totals," which yeah. is really just yeah. looking at games played, but look at totals because right, yeah, look at you- yeah. I've always thought the scoring title should be totals, right, instead of averages, and because that because longevity and and you know being able to play factors into that, right, and mm-hmm. so. You've had these situations where um, I think was it um, Durant and Beal maybe a few years ago, where or maybe Durant and Carmelo or something like that, where one person played fewer games and they had more points, but the overall cumulative um, points was higher for the person who actually did not win the scoring title. So you you go total points, let the tournament factor in. So now if I get an extra game, extra two games to you know accumulate more points, and I get some more money on top of the tournament, right. plus having the scoring title. Then we're then maybe we're talking. Yeah. And like LeBron James, for example, if I'm LeBron and I'm talking about wanting to own an expansion team in Las Vegas, I'm going to want to get to that semifinal and final. And I'm going to want to show out just to show everybody what it's like to have an NBA game in Las Vegas. So I'm sure there will be enough motivation for enough players to make it a pretty cool event. Uh, I don't know about you. I've never actually been to a white party and I'm not uh, a fan of, you know, let's say the party favors that are used at, at white party. So I'm getting kind of tired. I'm ready to wrap Look, it up to, and go home. I went to Davidson College, so um, most of the parties are white parties. So ah, yes. There's that. <laughs> that is why I did not join a fraternity. <laughs> Same reason. However, Essence Fest uh, is the blackest party ever, and you wear white for one of the nights and go out there and mm. listen to uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And uh, Where is that? Anyway. Where's Essence? Yes. New Orleans, baby. Ah, okay. Fourth of July weekend. Oh, huh. missed it. <laughs>